Welcome to From Courage to Confidence, where I invite you to step into a more confident life by living courageously. I'm your host, Brittany, and for the last nine years, I was serving in the U.S. Navy. After a career upset that completely derailed my life's plans, I found my way into entrepreneurship. Now I help female business owners create passive income streams by empowering them to create digital courses, and I'm known as the Course Creation Coach. After learning to embrace the cowgirl country, the New England bougie, and the salt of the earth grit that makes me who I am, I'm on a mission to help you live more authentically and feel more confident being who you are. Welcome back to another episode of From Courage to Confidence. I am your host, Brittany, and I am 100% a quitter. We're going to talk about quitting today. (laughs) Uh, Quitting kind of has a bad connotation, doesn't it? It can be seen as cowardly or pathetic, sometimes weak, but just in general, I think the consensus is that quitting is kind of seen as bad. Quitting can also be a really empowering thing as well. We just usually don't use the word quit when we talk about it in a positive light. It's very unlikely that you're going to march into your home and you're going to proudly announce to your husband that you quit your marriage. More often than not, that conversation, even if it is amicable, is a pretty somber one. And the words split, separate, leave, or end are used. But typically not quit. And in fact, the only time that I can think of that we really use the word quit in a positive light is when we quit doing something that's bad for us. Like we quit smoking or we quit drinking alcohol or we quit a toxic job. And if I say quit again, it's going to start sounding silly. But if you can think of another time that we use that word in a positive light, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or something and leave me a comment because I'm genuinely curious. Now I've quit a lot. It started when I was learning how to swim and this is like little kid Brittany. I didn't like swim classes. I thought they were stupid. So I quit. Then I was playing peewee soccer and my coach wanted me to play offense when I did not want to. I am not an offensive player and I get hit right in the face with the soccer ball and I quit. I walked right off the field and I told my dad who was standing on the sidelines, I quit. I quit dressing up for Halloween somewhere around middle school because it wasn't cool to dress up anymore. Um, This is something that I regret doing to this day because I missed out on at least three years of super cool costumes. And then in high school, I quit running winter track because every winter I would end up with a pulled hamstring. So I decided to just not compete in the winter and instead I would shoot rifle competitively indoors where I wasn't at risk of injuring myself for the spring track season. Now in college, I quit shooting rifle competitively, um, ironically, because the coach and I disagreed about his leadership style. Um, So I decided to walk off the team. Now the list of quits goes on and on, but I don't look at these experiences as failures or as weaknesses. And one of the reasons why is because for every single decision that I made in which I quit, I was completely and totally empowered to do so. This was my decision. And I did it because at the time I felt that it was the best decision for me. 
And yes, even the six-year-old me who didn't like the swim classes, I'm very thankful that my parents respected my decisions growing up. But I am now a certified dive master and a rescue diver, so I can promise you that I did ultimately learn how to swim. So technically, quitting is, is walking out on something. It's ceasing to pursue it. That's quitting. The dictionary says to quit means to leave permanently or to be rid of something. And there were a lot of things that I consciously chose to be rid of. There were also a lot of things that I didn't. For years, I allowed myself to do things that just weren't really in my best interest because, hey, quitters never win and winners never quit. And I was a winner, damn it. I allowed social norms to dictate what I tolerated rather than what I personally wanted to tolerate. I'm going to say that again. I allowed somebody else to tell me what I tolerated rather than what I wanted to tolerate. I stayed in relationships that were both personal and professional long past their due date because I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to be the one throwing in the towel. Because quitting is scary. At least when you're stuck, you know somewhat what to expect. But quitting your job, quitting a relationship, I mean, what comes next? What could come next? What if it's worse than what I have right now? Sometimes life helps you make those decisions with or without your consent. So after my mental breakdown, and if you didn't hear about that, go back to episode six with Shannon South and check it out because I talked to you all about my mental breakdown and what that looks like. So after my mental breakdown, I chose to be rid of my job in the Navy. I chose to be rid of the pressures and the stress that came along with wearing the uniform. I quit. I, I walked into my boss's office and I told him I'm not okay. I can't do this anymore. I straight up quit my job because I valued my personal health a little bit more than my commitment to the mission because I knew that the Navy could replace me. I started to put myself first. Now, getting rid of the Navy isn't just as simple as walking off of the field and handing in your jersey, so I had plenty of time to develop a real exit strategy that wasn't just, okay, bye Felicia, to the U.S. government, and that's where my business came into focus. And it's really where I began to understand the value of a true exit strategy, because up to this point, I hadn't needed one. I went straight from high school to the Navy, then from college in the Navy to commissioned job in the Navy. So this was the first time that I really needed that transitional plan. Because see, an exit strategy is a little bit more involved than just quitting. Quitting, even premeditated quitting, can feel abrupt and it can feel disjointed. And when it's not abrupt or it's not disjointed, we call it leaving or transitioning or phasing out. I mean, I love, but I also hate those words. They sound so stuffy. Now, you and I both know that the start, that's the fun part of the entrepreneurship journey. It's fun to begin new things, to come up with new ideas, to look ahead at the next phase in your life and your business. Um, But more often than not, you can't just start. 
you do have to leave something in order to start something new. Um, now, it might be quitting a corporate job, or it might be quitting another role. It might be quitting an existing business model that you, um, you're just not vibing with anymore. But more often than not, when one door closes, another door opens. That, you know, that whole thing, right? Ergo, like, you do need an exit strategy because that exit strategy is going to take you from one door to another. Now, I'm not going to share a specific story today, but what I will tell you is this. I found that despite the fact that quitting can be scary, quitting the toxic things in my life has cleared the way for some incredibly amazing things to move in and set up camp. And I'm not talking about quitting the soccer team. I'm not talking about quitting the dressing up for Halloween because I just thought it was, you know, too little kid and I was trying to be a big, cool pre-teenager. I'm talking about leaving my rifle team in college because the toxic leadership of the coach was not something I wanted to be around. I'm talking about deciding that I don't answer work-related messages on the weekends because my boundaries are more important. I'm talking about quitting this idea of showing up all the time, everywhere, on all the platforms because that's what society tells you you need to do to have a successful marketing plan. All of those things are quitting, but they're quitting in a positive way. And even if it is scary to do that, you could even quit saying yes. Sometimes that can be incredibly impactful in changing the realm and and the vein of where you're going with your life um, by just stop being a yes person and just start saying no sometimes. But even if it is scary to do that, even if it does take a few ounces of courage to be able to do, which is what this podcast is all about, I'm really glad that I did quit the things that I did in my life. Now, this all comes back to when you quit something, quitting is abrupt. But if you have an exit strategy, there's some sort of transition planned. It's intentional. And today's guest has this incredible life story of how this idea of an exit strategy, of how coming to terms with both expected and unexpected loss, and her willingness to accept that loss meant new beginnings and new potential for success and continued happiness in her life. Amanda O'Rourke is an inner calmness coach from the UK. And if her smooth British accent doesn't put you at ease, then her methods certainly will help you calm down. Let's dive in. Welcome, Amanda. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on from Courage to Confidence. Thanks, Brittany. It's lovely to be here. So we were talking a little bit about um, just the, you know, other guests that I've had on, we've really kind of delved into these conversations where you know, many women find themselves in kind of these like almost like random uh, life 
you know, places, right? Um, I've heard it referred to as kind of like spawning randomly in a video game where you just pop up and you're in this country and you're like, okay, here's where I'm at now, right? And then you can kind of jump to all these different careers. And what I love about your backstory is that despite being an intercom coach right now, you've had a variety of different jobs. So tell me a little bit about what your life looked like before you stepped into this current role. Okay, so how far back do you want to go? I mean, <laughs> I'll do a really potted history. Um, so I uh, started my working career as a graduate trainee. I came straight from university in the UK into a graduate trainee role in an insurance company. And I worked there for 18 years. And it was probably only the last two years of that um, experience that I started to realise that I wasn't happy. I was... Uh, expressing a lot of negative thoughts openly about the corporate world and it took me a while to actually realize that I needed to do something about it and so I started exploring having my own business and I think I knew from a very early age that that was a possibility for me because I was a little bit of a rebel um, and anybody who knows what that feels like is when when you you're sitting in a meeting and somebody's saying something and you're just thinking oh not this again and you know and you just you know that you feel like you could do it better and that's not born necessarily of arrogance or or anything you know sort of intelligent really it's just that drive I think that you've got within you to try and create something of your own um and I think it came to two points for me one was when somebody said you'll never get rich working for someone else and I thought aha that's true <laughs> and then uh, the other point was I was outed in a meeting publicly by somebody who basically said I don't understand how anybody who's so negative about a company can continue to work for it and whilst I sat there humiliated and almost, you know, in tears, because how dare he say that, I actually now look upon that actual meeting, the whole event as being a gift, because he pushed me where I needed to go. And so I jumped off that cliff, went and got a massive bank load and bought a franchise. Um, and so I bought into the Molly Made franchise, which is an exceptionally good franchise. And I started that from scratch in my hometown and built up um, really good business. Um, again, I got to about two, two or three years before I sold the business to a point where I thought I, um, I'm not doing what I need to do. And I got a very strong sense of what my life purpose might be. And I loved helping people realize how fantastic life is and how fantastic their life is. And just the power of words and the power of influence and how you can help people um, in such a, a gentle and um, massive way. Uh, so so I, I decided once I'd sold my business, I, I retrained as a coach. And yeah, and then it's just to get, just gathering sort of momentum as to how and who I wanted to serve and, and then, you know, trying to put that all together and that's been the hard bit actually is trying to find who I can best serve and what I can do for that person and we'll we'll get into that in a second I have a, I have a question lined up for that but I want to go back <laughs> to you know pointing out a couple things right you said you could you know when you realize that it's probably time to make a pivot to move and to jump into something else was when you sat there and you you 
experience these thoughts of I could do it better. And that's something that I didn't know about <laughs> our listeners, but I personally really resonate with. That was a thought. Um, and you can ask my friends, my husband, I have, I, I've said that so many times and that's really what ultimately drove me to start my own business as well was I was sitting in the military and every single time that there was an instance of bad leadership or somebody not taking care of another person and not looking out for them, or there was a policy that just didn't make sense to me, that thought process in my head was, mm, yeah, I could do it better. <laughs> and ultimately, right, I had to leave that environment because it, you can't live in a world where you are just constantly like bashing your existence and your environment around you. It is, I don't think it's a healthy way to live. And you know, so if, if you're sitting here and you're listening to this podcast and you've thought that it might be time to look around you and go, hmm, is there something that I could be doing where I'm not going to be thinking I could do it better? Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I wanted to bring up was that you, you mentioned, you know, jumping into this franchise and from what I gather, you really enjoyed it. And yes, yet- I did you're not doing it now. Right. And that's completely fine. (laughs) (laughs) I should just say when I went to uh, be interviewed um, to be a franchise owner, because they do interview, um, they don't just take anybody. um, I actually was asked the question, what is your exit strategy? So what, you know, what do you see as long term for this? And I just straight answered 10 years and I'm out. And the lady who was interviewing she just looked straight back at me you know completely dead face she didn't actually react and she said great it's always good to have a good solid exit strategy and and all the way through it I was true to it <laughs> and it was just well it's it's interesting because I've worked with so many biz, business people who don't have an exit strategy they don't really know what's going to happen at the end of their tenure of their business and and so I kind of in my head I guess I thought well it's a good way to make some money because you know you build up a a substantial business and it'll be worth something and that's a value and then you can sell it um and I guess in my long-term vision I knew that I wouldn't want to be in it for 25 years which is what my you know the the length of time to my retirement might look like and so I thought I want to have an like 15 years of doing something else I don't know what that is yet but I want to do it um and it was only the last two years of the of running the the business that I started to really come into my own in nurturing the people who work for me and just getting the most out of um, customer service and just really enjoying that aspect of business and I just thought actually the nurturing and the the people side of the business is really what lights me up. So it sounds like you had an idea that you would be doing this for 10 years and then you were going to peace out but it sounds like you also didn't really have a a clear defined, okay, in 10 years, this is where I'm going to be. And this is what my next step is going to be. No, I didn't. Came along as, you know, as you were kind of progressing through things. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson for anybody listening as well, is that you can plan all you like, but actually things will shift and change. And the future is, well, the future doesn't exist actually, does it? Because all we've got is here and now. And so things will ebb and flow and you'll find that things will change and what you think you want will change as well so I just decided and I've always been very open to whatever's coming um 
it's not always easy. Sometimes you get blindsided and then you suddenly think, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> and um, you just have to deal with it. But I'd rather deal with it on the basis that I'm open to whatever happens as a result of it. So I don't ever see or try not to see things as purely negative or purely positive. There's always a reason why things happen is, is what I choose to believe and something good will come whatever has happened. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, what would you say? So, you know, like this podcast is called From Courage to Confidence, right? And you definitely show up now as this kind of very um, humbly confident person. Um, I, I definitely don't think you're the vibe where you go out there and you've got your hand on your hip and you're like, ta-da. <laughs> but, and, and, and this I can say, because, you know, we've known each other for a couple months now, at least. And um, but what I, you know, what I find is like, you just kind of embody this brand of being at peace and being calm and, and comforting. And, and that is truly just every time that I interact with you, that's kind of that, you know, and I, I, it might just be your British accent. I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I think that, you know, naturally calm and kind of comforting people can still be courageous. So tell me about is there a time in your journey from, uh, you know, insurance to franchise to coaching where you, you really had to be courageous and, and what did that look like for you? Um, I think the times when I reflect that I've been the most courageous have been when I've experienced loss in my life. And I think that has been where I've definitely learned the most about myself um, the most about other people as well, to be fair. Um, there's nothing quite like experiencing the loss of somebody close to you to make you realise so many things about life that aren't important and equally things that are really important. And I think from talking about courage, it's it's an interesting concept, isn't it, courage? Because I think, you know, you can get into that vibe of, oh, well, it's courageous to just keep going and and to be resilient and that. But I think I think courage looks different to different people. And I think we need to respect that sometimes getting out of bed for somebody is courageous. Um, to me, um, being courageous would be jumping out of an airplane. Not quite done that one yet. And uh, I'm not sure I ever will, <laughs> but maybe I should. But I think um, in terms of courage from the perspective of um, my life, I would say it's it's actually getting up and getting on with my life after I've lost I've lost two brothers and a mum. So it's for me, that's like that's been quite difficult. But I think in terms of my business, a lot of people go, gosh, that was brave. Gosh, that was really brave. When I took out I took out twenty five thousand pound loan when I was. Um, early in my 40s and I had no no income for two years because that's the way it goes with a business um, people think that's really brave and and I think when you're led by something bigger than you it doesn't feel brave it doesn't feel courageous it just feels like what you're meant to do um, I think you only notice courage in other people I think that's my experience anyway I I've never thought of myself as extremely brave, but other people have told me I am. And that's, I think that's really quite odd. <laughs> you know, I, I 
first of all, I'm I'm so sorry for your loss because I didn't realize um Matt, that you've uh, you've had that. Um, but what you said about you know you only notice courage in other people, I think that that's actually really really true, and it's something I haven't thought about either. Um, you know, when when we go through life and we're truly aligned with what we do, I think that it just seems like the next right thing, right? The next right thing. And it, I love this song from Frozen 2. Um, Anna, Elsa goes off and, and Anna's sitting there in a cave and she sings the song and it's this rare instance where you get to see like a, you know, like a Disney character just be very real and almost, almost kind of grown up in the way that she approaches um, her situation. But her whole song is all about doing the next right thing. And she comes from a place of depression. And like you said, that getting out of bed and just taking that first step and that for her is where she's at. But I think that the song can also be, um, you know, we, what, what it, what it just feels like, right? Like sometimes it's, it's going and opening a, a franchise with 25,000 and, in you know, potential debt and going, man, I hope this pays off for me. <laughs> but, you know, for some people that's, that's a risk that they would never take because of that fear, right? So what would you tell your, li our listeners who are looking to, you know, they're looking at this and going, oh my God, I would never do what Amanda did, right? But I'm mean, really, what's the difference between your mindset around something like that versus their mindset? Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the word fear. I think it is about looking at what you're scared of. And to me, at that point, I was terrified of loss. And I'm I'm not talking about loss of money. So so that sort of that sort of thing didn't affect me because I knew that the worst had already happened to me. And so, you know, it, it was kind of it wasn't it wasn't even a comparison. So you just feel that you balance it out in, in your mind. And I think if anybody's listening and thinking, I, I can't do that, I would just say, why? And just ask yourself, you know, what, what's that about? What's behind that? What fear is underlying or underpinning that belief that you cannot do it? It may be that you don't want to do it. And it's, it's about being very honest with yourself is, is do I want this enough? And I, I say this to people when they haven't achieved what they want to achieve. And this is quite challenging as a coach to say this to somebody because they might just, you know, smack you <laughs> or, or, you know, or worse. But to say, <laughs> did, did you want it enough? Was it enough? You know, did you want it enough? And I think most people, if they're honest, will say what they didn't do in life. They couldn't have wanted it enough. Now, whether that's challenging your listeners, I don't know. But I, my my personal opinion is the things I haven't done in my life yet are things that I could have if I'd have chosen to. And I chose not to. And so I think I think you're right, though. I think when you're actually aligned with something, it doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like you're you're being pushed in a certain direction. And and then it, it's almost easier because the choice isn't yours anymore. It doesn't feel like it's yours anymore. Yeah, I hope that's answered the question. <laughs> no, oh my goodness. And I want to point out to our listeners too that you actually have a free resource out there for individuals who are looking to move forward with what you call fearless confidence. So mm -hmm. where can they find that? 
So I've got a bit.ly link that um, is, it's called How to Be Fearlessly Calm. I think that's the one you're referring to, isn't it? So um, probably the best way to get hold of that, I think, is either through the link or through my website. They'll, I'll be able to put a link up for that on the website as well. Awesome. Well, I will, um, I will definitely drop your, um, <clears throat> your details in the show notes below. If somebody wants to learn more about you or interact with you, what, what's the way that you serve people right now? So the best, best point of contact is through my website. Um, there's a contact form there. And there's also all my social links are on there as well to, to reach out to me that way. Um, I'm putting together a program at the moment, um, an online course, ably um, ably assisted by you Brittany <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's get a little plug in there for you um, and that's all to do with um, serenity and it's called serenity success school and it's it's aimed at female entrepreneurs who want to move away from stress and overwhelm and, and burnout and I look at in each part each module of the course is aimed at looking at aspects of of your personality or what's driving that behavior or what's feeding into that um, and the whole idea of the of the um, course is that you can work with me one to one, or you can work on it on your own independently. Um, and the the benefit of it should be that by the end of it, you understand yourself far better. You've got more self awareness, and you can start to control and take more ownership of of your life. I love that. And I, having taken stress courses before, I think that you know, even if you feel like you're in a place where you can manage that. Um, at some point, it is good to delve back in. I am, I'm not a huge fan of reading personal development books, which puts me definitely in the minority when it comes to the coaching world. But <laughs> I am a huge fan of constantly always refreshing and renewing your um, ability to handle stress and stressful situations and kind of keep that inner calm, which I love that you call yourself the inner calm coach, because that's, mm -hmm. you know, to me, that is my key to success. And so I would encourage our listeners, even if you feel like you are in a good place, it's, it's like going to the gym, even when you feel like you, you're really strong and you can lift that hundred pound, you know, weight. If you don't constantly work those muscles, and you don't constantly go to the gym, your muscles will atrophy. And when it comes to stress and anxiety and managing the demands of the entrepreneurial life, I believe that the same is applicable. You have to go to the gym. And Amanda, she's your personal trainer. <laughs> That's nice to think that. Those days are gone, really, for me. But <laughs> Thank you, Amanda, so much for having us on our first coming onto my show <laughs> and um I wish you uh, an absolutely lovely day thanks very much Brittany it's been a pleasure I hope you enjoyed our interview with Amanda today remember if you like what you hear be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure that you hear more stories about these courageous women who have found confidence in themselves and in their lives if you would like to be featured for our win of the week, head over to my bit.ly link at bit.ly slash showcase your win to tell your story. That's it for episode seven. Thank you so much for joining me and see you next time.